0: What up, Anchor? This is D. It's about 6 in the morning. I'm on my way to work. And getting back into the swing of things after coming home from vacation has been tough. Uh, Regretfully, I have to go catch up this morning on yesterday's work because I spent any increment of quote-unquote free time I had yesterday catching up on Monday's work. So... Anyway, uh, thanks for letting me vent there, but (laughs) I wanted to jump right in. Um, If you haven't heard, uh, the girlfriend and I were visiting Cuba um, last week, and I took a a couple of notes on just uh, random life thoughts I was having while I was there, and one of the themes that kept coming up in my mental processes uh, had to do with kids and what it meant to raise a kid and the ingredients for making a good person and all sorts of jazz because I, we saw a lot of kids and uh, you know, they looked pretty happy. And uh, that's something that I, I don't know if I ever really thought about when I was a kid. Um, you know, I grew up in a pretty hectic environment here in hindsight um you know a single parent home i mean we bounced around i went to a different school every year of my life just about until my junior year of high school something like that so we moved around a ton um you know we stayed in homeless shelters we you know we did all that and it's something that I never really thought about because I grew up around poverty so everybody had their own shit so it wasn't like I was looking out the window and seeing you know the beavers and meanwhile my life was shit it wasn't like that it was just we all had issues um, but during that process of just growing up I would I, I i'd make promises to myself and i I vowed to myself that you know if i ever had children that my life would be different and their lives would be different and i would get specific about it and one thing that i used to do that yeah god knows i wish i would i still had it but i used to take notes i had a notebook and i would watch shows i used to watch leave it to beaver i used to watch the andy griffith show believe it or not I, i actually really liked that show Um, And now probably a terrible example, but then in context, it was a great example, I thought. uh, The Cosby Show. And any time, you know, Dr. Huxtable would encounter a problem, if he caught Theo smoking or something, um, I would take notes on how he handled it. And the reason I would do that was because most things in our house were handled with an ass whooping. (laughs) And I, I didn't know how... I would handle it, but I just always thought there's got to be a better way. Um, but I would, yeah, I would, li- I would physically take notes. And my idea was, as a naive kid, was that I would have a rolling mental encyclopedia slash Rolodex of situations that will come up when I have children, and I will handle them impeccably because they've been uh, tried and tested by uh, a movie land and Hollywood. And that was my theory but obviously you can't account for every situation in life um but nonetheless um i i think i had already embarked on the path of psychologically uh trying to lay out the foundation of building a good person and that's something that i never really thought about a whole lot consciously um as i got older and more so here recently um It's something that I've become more and more fascinated with. So anyway, that is all kind of a long intro to a study that I read that I want to tell you guys about. Um, And being that I'm about five minutes now, I'm going to have to do that on the next segment. So stay tuned and we'll talk a little bit about how telling your kids that they're smart might actually make them dumb. How about that? All right. Love y'all. Stay tuned. Again, you're listening to Medicine Remixed, only on Anchor.
1: Where's my Medicine Remix?
2: Mm, DR!
1: Drop it like it's hot.
0: Hey, Medicine Remixed, I love what you guys are doing. Everything is hot.
3: Medicine Remixed. Medicine Remixed. You're listening to Medicine Remixed. Really, I like the way you mixed.
4: Medicine. Yo, I caught those. You thought I was going to miss those, huh? Because I've been sleeping on my anchor game. But I'm back.
5: And you know what else? I think you inspired me to maybe take this anchor thing a little bit more serious. This was lit.
6: Boys, awesome stuff. Great show, awesome musical choices as always.
5: Great song selection. And good ear, by the way, too, because you
4: really, I thought that was dope how you picked up on it and put the music behind it. And um, it's definitely inspirational. I just found great value in this. I just wanted to
1: call and give you props and just say thank you, appreciate this conversation.
3: I'm really curious as doctors, what your thought is on all this just would love to know the medical perspective on that thanks
4: guys come on get to it you got a job to do you've got a community
1: waiting for your opinions chop chop
5: shop it, shop it.
1: thank you for listening and listening to medicine remix only on anchor
5: bye
0: what up anchor this is your boy d and uh it's now a full half day since i called in with the first part of this segment, but the day kind of got away from me. But here we are, it's about seven o'clock at night uh, in my part of the world, and uh, let's finish off this idea of is there potential harm to be done by telling kids that they're smart? And it might actually make them dumber? Is that even possible? Well, based on the research, here's what we're looking at. Um, To kind of paint the scenario, very oftentimes, uh, kids coming up through school will find themselves being, you know, quote unquote, good at a certain subject, right? Like say math, Johnny's good at math. And parents will sort of latch on to this because they feel like, wow, my kid's good at this. Um, And they'll praise him. Oh, you're so smart. You know, he gets a good grade. He doesn't really know how he's doing it right? Because you don't really develop study skills or at least refined ones until sort of later in life. Um, But nonetheless, mom and dad say, oh, Johnny, good job. Man, you're so smart, right? You have a gift, right? You're good at this stuff. Um, And there is a researcher, a psychologist, Carol Dweck, last name spelled D-W-E-C-K. If you look her up in Uh, Wikipedia, you'll you'll find links to some of her work. And she's got some phenomenal work. I believe she's a graduate of Yale, um, taught at Cornell, and I think now she's at Stanford. Um, But what she did in her time was over a period of about 35 years, um, and kind of Calling through the the research, uh, she came up with this idea that this overemphasis on intellect tends to leave people a bit vulnerable for the pitfalls of failure and that they may shy away from things in the academic realm, even in life, even in marriage, uh, things that feel like potential avenues for failure or potential failures in general, uh, that by being sort of propped up in this idea that Uh, intelligence is innate or fixed, um, you know, that you kind of have it or you don't, that you really can set a kid up for failure. The idea being that once they do encounter difficulty, right? So the kid who always did good in math, and mom and dad always told him he was good in math, now embarks on a journey of harder math problems, a tougher class, and he starts to hit roadblocks. And... He doesn't understand the impact on his ego, negative impact on his ego, where he starts to question his own ability is something that after years and years of research has actually panned out that if you prop somebody up by constantly praising them for, you know, focusing on being smart and not necessarily Striving to learn and being involved in the process, right? This idea of actually having a growth mindset, as she calls it, and understanding that you only get good at things through hard work and that the brain isn't a static thing, that it will grow and it does get better at doing certain tasks when complemented with the hard work. And she has a couple of pretty interesting studies where they looked at kids. And they took kids that were not necessarily good in school, but it was because of a lack of effort or poor strategies, not a lack of ability. And she taught them that. And instead of feeding into this idea of helplessness, of I can't do something, um, worked with them through that avenue. And when compared to kids that were just praised for doing well whenever they did well, they found out that over a series of years, the kids who did well and were only praised for doing well, their academic performance dropped off in the subsequent two to three years following uh, the initiation of the research and the kids who were praised for the process and saying things like, wow, that's the grade you got? That must have took a lot of hard work. You must have studied really hard. The kids that were told things like that continued to have an upward trajectory. So again, it seems so subtle to me, this idea that instead of saying you're so smart versus, wow, you must have worked really hard for that. They're both praise. And I think a lot of times we think we're doing the right thing, but that subtle difference can make all the difference in the world. I found it pretty interesting. Again, Medicine Remixed on Anchor.
2: Some people tend to believe that they're Talents and abilities are these fixed traits. You have a certain amount and that's it. And what we find is that if you think your talents or intelligence are just fixed, then you worry about them. Are they high? Are they low? Will I look stupid? Will people judge me? Will I feel bad about myself if I make a mistake or fail? So in this mindset, in this fixed mindset, your motivation is fragile. You don't want to go for something unless you're really sure you can achieve it. First signs of difficulty, you worry, a real setback, you're out of there. But other people are more often in a growth mindset where they where they feel, hey, these abilities, these talents, you can develop them. It's not that some people don't come with more or less of the talent, but everyone they believe can develop their talents through hard work, good strategies, mentoring and input from others. And when people are more often in this mindset, they go for it. They take on hard things. They don't expect to be able to do everything right away. They cut themselves the slack to learn over time when they're sweating and really working hard. They don't feel stupid. They feel, hey, this is part of doing something difficult. And when they have a setback, again, that's part of learning something really hard. They Retrench. they try new strategies, they get input from others, and they go at it again. These people are more likely to be successful in school, careers, sports, and life. My research shows that when you tell kids they're smart, it puts them right into a fixed mindset, makes them want to stay right in their comfort zone, and makes them freak out when it gets hard or they have a setback. So what's the alternative to telling your kids they're smart if you want to admire? We want to appreciate the process they engaged in, their hard work, their good strategies, their perseverance, their improvement. Appreciating this process puts them into more of a growth mindset. And equips them with the values and skills they need to succeed in the long run. So then they'll think, hey, I'm going to work hard at that. That's a great thing. Hey, I'm going to stick to it even though I'm making mistakes. That's a great thing. That's an exciting thing.
3: Oh my gosh, I love the new drop. Love it, love it, love it. I was having a super shitty night. And, well, you guys made it better. Thanks.
1: What's really ill, Anchor veal? It's your boy, Reesh. It's Medicine Remixed. I just wanted to give a big, big, big ups to our homegirl, Danger, for giving us a dose of feel-good medicine this morning with the love that she left us in that call-in that you may have just heard. It was actually the first thing I heard when I woke up this morning for work at an ungodly hour shortly after my usual routine of briefly dreading the process of getting myself to the hospital for work. And then hearing Danger's kind words on her call-in just broke my almost unconscious negativity and just set a better tone for the rest of my day. So, you know, much love and thanks to her. And it's it's just so much so interesting to me how we can be like symbiotic medicine for one another. Like how hearing that drop somehow made the homegirl dangers, unfortunately shitty nights, somewhat better, and how hearing her tell us how listening to something we made made her feel better somehow made me feel better. Like that's, it's just powerful. It's a powerful medicine that can't be bottled right there. And that idea is just fascinating to me. You know, it's essentially the thesis of Medicine Remixed uh, in that you know, medicine can be any entity that you consume in any way that makes you better in some way, which includes hearing it. You know, that's right. It's it's the belief of this station, at least, that you can hear medicine, you know, like medications can be given via pill form, for example, you know, the me- medicine that you swallow by mouth or put under your tongue Or medicine that's administered as an injection into a muscle or through a vein or by drops in your eye or I don't know maybe even sticking a suppository in your ass although that's not usually the preferred form of delivery by most people but my point um, is that you know why can't medicine be delivered by hearing it you know it's at least relevant on a mental health level if nothing else like you know, whether it's music or language, there's just something potentially medicinal about sound. Like, think about that song that pumps you up at the gym or, or how talking to your best friend can just flip a shitty day for the better. It's just amazing how words or tones or rhythms or all of the above can be packaged in a way to capture us or some of us and deliver something intangible. You know, it's really just, you know, you can't touch it, but it can transform Our emotions like how a song or a speech or a segment on anchor can just remix your emotions it's just so interesting what's happening here and how important the idea of you know community is like danger is a huge part of the medicine remix community and if you've ever listened to her station which is great by the way you should definitely check it out she's got an amazing community of her own on there and all of all of that was all literally created through the exchange of sound and words and ideas like how crazy is that but when you think about it even on a cosmic level sound is literally the reason why we're all here in the first place you know like the big bang was just the drum kick the sound that set all of this off and in fact sound is so powerful that it can actually be used to see that's right you heard me right like you know how blind people and bats use the phenomenon of sonar to, to see the world and experience the world. Like, and even in healthcare, in, in modern medicine, the power of sound is, is actually used to see into the human body through ultrasound, ultrasound. You know, audio is powerful. Anchor is powerful. We're all powerful. We all have the power to create A better world just by what we say to each other. Maybe more importantly, how we say it, whether it's through content or conversation. So, big ups to the homegirl Danger. Big ups to Anchor, and big ups to all of you. You know, I can't tell you what it means to us that you give us your most prized possession, your your time, and we truly, truly appreciate you guys. Thank you for supporting us and what we're trying to create here. It couldn't and wouldn't be possible without you. You know, you're our You're our medicine, and we will continue to try to be yours, at least a remixed version of it. You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor.
0: Yo, 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 what up? This is your boy D. I'm headed home from a long ass day at work, and I just, I'm kind of catching up, and it sounds like uh, if you've been listening, Reesh and the homie d d danger have been sort of uh, exchanging compliments and pleasantries. And uh, what the fuck, man? I feel left out, dude. Shit's not cool, Reesh. Holler at your boy. <laughs> no, but Reesh, you made me uh, think of a couple things. Which, Reesh, uh, uh, we do this all the time and we talk about how this whole thing is ours to fuck up, meaning uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't be a success and why we shouldn't be doing what we want to do, helping people through this medium. Um, But to the power of the cosmos, um, you you, you mentioned some things in in this last segment that uh, it's crazy because today I had a patient um, and we were talking and she had just kind of conceded to this idea that, that she was just always going to be sad and depressed. And for some reason, I I just I asked her, I said, Hey, what's the last thing that, that made you laugh? And she kind of just looked at me like, I don't know. And I said, No, well, like what, honestly, what, what's the last thing that made you smile or, or, or laugh? I said, Tell me. And she kind of just sat there for a second. And she she kind of lit up. She kind of gave like a little giggle to herself. And she goes, I don't know, I was, I was at work and there's these stupid memes that they were showing me at work and they, I mean, they were, they're inappropriate, but they're pretty funny. And I said, great, stop right there. I said, just now. When I asked you, you, you were in a completely, and I said it this way, I don't know, I'm a little unorthodox in this, in this sense, but I said, you, you were in a real shitty mood right now. You were kinda down and your shoulders were kinda slumped and you just kinda just weren't feeling it. And when I asked you to tell me about the last thing that made you laugh, you literally, in front of me, created a chemical reaction in your brain that released dopamine that made you feel good, you smiled, and your entire presentation changed, even if it was just for a couple of seconds. And what that shows me is that the circuit in your brain that is responsible for those good feelings and for uplifting your own mood are completely intact. They work, you just showed me that. So it isn't that you're incapable of feeling good, you're very capable. I said, but you have to understand when you think negatively, you're actually releasing neuropeptides, which are just the exact opposite of neurotransmitters like dopamine. They're chemicals that'll make you feel bad. And you're doing that. And yes, there are things around you that are aiding that process, but you're capable of changing that around. And to your point about medicine, Rich, um, It's funny because you were talking about, like, who's to say what is and isn't medicine. How about this? How about a lot of it is culturally defined? There's parts of this planet where if you handed somebody some pills, they wouldn't know what the fuck that is. We assume that that's the only form medicine can come in most times in our environment, in this country, in our family, in our home. That is not the only form of medicine. It isn't either liquid or gel caps. You know what I mean? It totally can be words. Which is part of the draw that pulled me into psychiatry. The idea that I could help heal somebody with sounds that come out of this stupid hole in my face that I call a mouth. I can actually help people with that? The fact that the sounds I'm making right now fucking even mean anything to you. I'm just making noises, and you're hearing them, and it's moving your tympanic membrane in your your ear, and sending a neuronal signal to your brain, and you're translating it into shit that might make you feel different. That, my friend, is fucking amazing. That's about all I have to say. All right, man. Thank y'all. If I have any other random thoughts on my drive home, I'll let you know. Love you. Again, Medicine Remixed. Only. On anchor. Pay-
3: I had to call in and say thank you. Thank you so much for the shout out and thank you so much for the kind words. And of course, I had to call in and give some special extra attention and love to Debunked so he didn't feel left out. Because you know, when I say that I love Medicine Remixed, that means I love you both equally. Oh, you guys, you guys are too much. Thanks again for all you do. And, um, thanks so much for lifting our spirits out here. It's, uh, this is a great medium and you guys are definitely doing it and doing it and doing it well.
4: Oh, thank you. What's up, medicine remix. This is the tone show. Uh, I'm calling in in reference to the segment about telling your children you are so intelligent versus telling them, hey, you did really good work, and that'll make them improve versus just patting them on the back and say, hey, this is innate innate talent. Um, That reminds me of uh, when I was rapping back in the day. I always wanted to have Charles Oakley syndrome. Charles Oakley was a really good rebounder. And he was—he wasn't exceptionally talented as a New York Knicks uh, forward, but he just put in the work and he applied himself, and that's why he was in the NBA. There's plenty of guys who are naturally talented at things—music, arts, science—but if there's no follow-through, no Charles Oakley syndrome of continuously working, it's very hard to achieve and succeed. And um, that's what your second reminded me of—Charles Oakley syndrome. Don't show out. salute
0: tone from the tone show what up brother yo i like it i like it a lot that whole vibe and i you know it'd probably be that whole era uh if you really think about it when the knicks were playing people like john starks when they were playing people like anthony mason when they were playing people like oakley um, what the team had, and, and you know, Ewing included, and Ewing never really got the respect he should have had. And I think it was at a time because the Bulls were doing what the Bulls did. But what the Knicks embodied at that time was grit. Right? They had grit. You know. You know. Starks never won up. You know, and put up you know thirty points a game for you know back-to-back seasons. I don't think. But what that team had was grit. And they had, you know, just, you know, people nowadays, I guess would call them role players. Um, But I remember they, 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 they just had people that played positions, played positions well, and did their job, right? That was kind of, you know, the motto, if you will. Uh, of the next of, the, of that era right it was just you know you get out there you work hard you do your job it doesn't matter if anybody you know gives you props or respects you because tomorrow guess what they're going to be right there in the paint doing their job so if you're having a bad game right how many times have we seen guys with talent have a bad game and they just look like shit all the way around right it's just doodle up and down the court instead of saying well look my shots off tonight i'm gonna hit the glass right i'm just going to grab boards or i'm going to play tight d no 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 they just they fall apart and they start you know dropping their head and kind of walking back up the floor right you pointed it out perfectly real real nice you pointed out the fact that those might be the kids who grew up being told they're real good you're real good you're real good right you were born for this right you have a gift Right? And the second that gift isn't firing that night, they just look like shit. And that's why I think people admire the greats. That's why they admire you know, the Scottie Pippins, the Michael Jordans. Because if those guys weren't doing it on the offensive end, they were going to put it on you on the defensive end. And I think you, you know, this idea of grit, of just keep plugging away and knowing that hard work does pay off. It's just not a cliche saying. Um, but you just have to show up and do your job. Um, I think it's a perfect example. And I think, uh, we should really work on getting, uh, the Oakley syndrome, uh, in medical textbooks, (laughs) but no, man, seriously, it was a great example. I, I really do appreciate it. And again, thanks for the call. And we really do appreciate it. Um, it's really helpful and it's really enjoyable really to hear. Uh, what folks are thinking and, and what exactly our words are provoking in terms of thought, man. We really do appreciate it. I hope, really, that I can somehow incorporate this Oakley Syndrome thing into a future segment because I like it. So, I'm going to be taking that one. All right, brother. Medicine Remix on Anchor. You know the drill.
4: P.A.C.E. P.A.C.E. <coughs> Power forward that can really dominate the boards, but he also gave them something that no one thought was an
0: outlet pass that also triggers their fast break. And he's a guy that can also score. So he has been a definite uh, contribution to the Knicks success thus far in the season.
3: Specialty, rebounding, and he's among the top ten in the league, thus the nickname, Chairman of the Boards. Charles possessed this quality in college along with great offensive skills and just the right amount of muscle to post up well, which now enables him to match his talents with some of the best, and also keeps his pro career thriving.
0: Just blessed to be here because when I went to college, I didn't you know, plan on being in the NBA. We just went to school, we just you went know, four years and... Work hard, like I said, they said when you work hard, things pay off in the end. we more free spirit.
5: We just go with it, you know, let it flow. and We know what it's all about. All
0: is young, and we really don't have no attitude toward one another. And You got to get a coach credit for, you know, keeping 12 guys together and no problem with none of the guys on the team. And.
4: there are four traits that gritty people have interest practice purpose and hope let's break them down interest
3: interest this is finding something that you do to be fascinating to never get bored of your work practice practice importantly is practicing at an expert level that doesn't mean you have to be an expert but to practice like an expert you have to be working on something that's relatively speaking a weakness for you with full concentration and feedback, and then making these little micro refinements to do your work a little better. Purpose. Purpose I use to mean having an other centered motivation. In other words, feeling like, for example, having a television show would influence other people's well-being than your own, something that serves others. And hope. Hope is believing that no matter how bad things are, there's something that you can do to make them better.
4: Well, you've written a book about it, therefore you think it can be taught.
3: I have written a book about it, and I do believe it can be taught. That's
4: right. And you could learn it at any age?
3: I think so. Yeah, I think human beings are wired to learn at any age.
1: Support for today's Medicine Remix show comes from Climatap, bold Allergy. Has the congestion-fighting power to relieve stuffy, fixed mindsets and runny excuses. This formula also provides relief for your child's whining and bitching whenever they encounter difficulties in life. And it also comes in a great grape flavor that kids love. Climatap. Grow your mindset to put your head down and climb. Available wherever good strategies are sold. Now, back to remixing medicine on Medicine Remixed. Only on Anchor.
6: Remember that commercial for Sunny Delight when all the kids run in from outside playing and they all run to the fridge? <sighs> Alright. I got some purple stuff, some Sunny D. As soon as they say Sunny D, all the kids go, Yeah! Watch the black kid in the back. If you ever see that commercial again, look at that black kid. He'd be like, I want that purple stuff. <laughs> uh, that's drink, nigga. That is drink. They want, they want drink. I want all them vitamins, nigga? I want drink. Sugar water purple. That's the ingredients, sugar, water, and of course, purple.
3: (laughs) Hi, Medicine Remixed. So I don't know if it's too late for me to also respond to your telling children they're smart segment, but there's a wonderfully interesting study by Kristen Neff at the University of Texas at Austin about the benefits of self-compassion versus self-esteem. Neff argues that self-esteem, while highly coveted, is actually less effective than we think uh, because it uh, usually relies on some form of external validation, whether it's an achievement, accolade, or someone else telling you that you're smart. The moment that you need self-esteem the most, when you struggle or fail, is when you have less reason to believe in yourself and self-esteem thus deserts you. Alternatively, self-compassion is an inward approach of treating yourself like you would a friend and finding independent ways to confront struggle without the self-effacement. So, just thought it was relevant. Let me know what you think and I love your show.
1: What it do, Anka crew? It's Reesh. It's Medicine Remix, and it's Friday. Happy weekend eve, and a big happy birthday shout out to Mama Riche, aka my mom, my mommy. May 12th is her born day so grateful to her for so many things but if nothing else bringing my crazy ass into this world for the privilege of living and playing in this 4d experience video game that we call life um so yeah and happy early mother's day to any moms listening and a uh, special shout out to all of y'all listening right now and everyone that called in applauded and shared our shit this week it really means so much to us Uh, the call-ins are adding so much value to this station and everyone who listens uh, to this station with all the the great insights you guys and gals share with us and speaking of which big ups to Fruit Nasty and company both for the amazing call-in and a dope ass name for a station love that name and um Yeah, so thanks for sharing those uh, insights from that that research uh, you mentioned coming out of Texas about self-compassion versus self-esteem. You know, until you described the difference, I don't think I really knew that there was a difference between the two, but there's totally a huge difference, as you explained. It's subtle, but the difference is pretty significant since compassion, as as you described, it comes from our internal dialogue and esteem is generally cultivated by external reinforcements of some kind, which uh, I, I definitely agree with. And uh, self-compassion seems to be the good kind of self-medication. You know, it's that that real sticky icky icky ooh wee, because it allows you to stick it out through your failures and and mistakes to build resilience while loving your damn self and not giving a fuck about what other people say or what they might say. You know, I forget the attribution, but this conversation reminds me of a saying that goes something like, you would never talk to other people the way that you talk to yourself. And that always stuck with me. And it it reminds me of of, uh, what was mentioned about self-compassion being like talking to yourself as if, you were talking to one of your friends you know and like so many good things in life this is simple but not easy it takes practice to recognize when you're being self-defeating and build an ability to meet that self-induced negativity with love compassion and positivity as corny as that sounds but that's how it goes you know the truth is corny to hear sometimes but internalizing it to the point of of action and and meaningful change for self-development is the coolest shit we can do for ourselves so anyway those are some of my thoughts on this and uh actually this conversation reminds me of one of the first conversations d and i actually recorded and captured back in the dizzy day so let me do some digging in my digital crates and I'll, i'll see um If I can find it, and if I do, um, I'm going to definitely share it with you guys to see if it sparks any more wisdom out there in Anchorville to be uh, shared on the station about becoming better versions of ourselves. So much love, Anchor fam. This is Medicine Remix only on Anchor. Most people are misunderstood
0: We all feel that way Right
1: man Like we were talking
0: I I think uh, your dad and I Actually were talking We were talking about politicians And you know Kind of the idea of How people take these stances in life They have opinions about things Right And the second somebody switches their opinion, oh, he's a flip flopper, you know, and they pull up this old clip from like 1987 when he's in his backyard playing, you know, scary
1: time to be a politician. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, there's all this stuff's coming up and they'll be like, oh, here's a note that he passed in the sixth grade to some girl she kept. And it says here that he hates gays. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, you know what, man, first off, you're young but the other thing is how about I was misinformed back then and I fucking grew yeah is there, is, is there nothing
1: to be said about yeah. personal growth yeah. it's like if I did something back in the day or and thought I'm, something yeah, done something. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: a part of it's a part of growing part up part of growing up but I think we, we we all in our heads have this myth about the other person one of my boys Leonard said to me one day and this was years ago and he looked at me and he was very Leonard is very Leonard I love you to death Leonard is one of the most judgmental people I've ever met <laughs> and uh, and I love him for it because when he's right man he's right when he's off jesus christ he's off but when he's on man sounds like my dad yeah you know like he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's so on that it gives credibility to his shitty yeah. sort of you know uh uh, uh uh judgmental personality but again uh he turned to me one day and he said you know what man i could never live under the microscope i put other people under and i thought yo that's that's pretty intense.
1: I mean, I don't know how Leonard is as far as being hard on himself, yeah. but like I kind of feel like that too. Sure. But except, like, I am under that microscope too. And, uh, like, you know, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's like, fun, we, But we, it's we, your own microscope. It doesn't count.
1: I think right? it was like a mortal technique or someone that yeah. says, we always look at ourselves in the eyes of people that hate us. I thought that was uh, an interesting line because I I think that's kind of true. Even
5: though we survived through the struggle that made us, we still look at ourselves through the eyes of people that hate us. But I'm a maker regardless. Though so if I should ever fall and get caught in a hustle, let them know that I. I died while I fought in the struggle From the hood rats, to rich kids lost in the bubbles Spray painted on the streets and in the subway tunnels Write it down and remember that we never gave in The mind of a child is where the revolution begins So if the solution has never been to look at yourself How is it that you expect to find it anywhere else I used to wonder, I used to why people one, Don't I believe one, in they self And then I saw the way they portrayed us to everyone else They cursed us to only see the worst in ourselves Blind to the fact the whole time we were hurting ourselves I used to wonder, I used wonder I used Believe in they self and then I saw the way they portrayed us, and everyone else they cursed us. The only see the worst in ourselves, blind to the fact the whole time we were hurting ourselves. I used to wonder, I used to wonder, I used to wonder. Hey, medicine remix dudes. So, I re- recognize that so, I never really thought about it, but or like thought about it as self-compassion but I've realized that that is actually what I do practice sometimes when I know that I don't have when I know that I'm going through a difficult time right and it's something I feel like that is not often really talked about like I don't think I've ever heard the word self-compassion before now but it is the thing that I found that helps the most when I'm going through a rough and like shitty time. It's just like having self-compassion, even sometimes more than like uh, what other people tell me when I'm going through a really difficult time is the comfort that I can give myself. That is like the real medication that like really helps me when I'm going through a difficult time. So I feel like it's something that should be shared more.
3: Just to give yourself permission to treat yourself kindly. A lot of people think that it's selfish or that it involves self-pity. It's really not. Remember, self-compassion
2: recognizes the shared human condition. It's not, woe is me, poor me. It's,
5: well, life is difficult for everyone. Everybody's got shit and nobody cares about your shit,
2: they care about their shit because everybody's got shit. And again, because it helps you give more to others, it's not selfish. So giving yourself permission to be kind, knowing that it's gonna help you be happy, it's gonna help others be happy. Then concrete things like noticing how you speak to yourself, asking, would I say this to a close friend? Usually not. What would I say to a close friend? And
4: I try treating myself that way.
6: Here in our Western culture of achievement, there's a mistaken idea that we need high self-esteem and that we have to be special and above average so we keep comparing ourselves to others. We compare upwards and we do that often in order to feel good about ourselves when we compare downwards. The problem is this usually backfires big time. Because seldom do we compare ourselves against someone who we measure up fairly and competitively, and even when we do, we often beat ourselves up because it feels like we're letting ourselves off the hook too easily when we compare ourselves to somebody who we beat in certain categories. This keeps us overly competitive, and this false sense of self-esteem its contingent upon our most recent successes. In other words, our self-worth is entirely dependent upon circumstances, most of which we have no control over and further being overly competitive and having an inflated sense of self-esteem it's not exactly qualities that most people find endearing in a partner and for those of us who know people that chronically suffer from this or rather make us chronically suffer from that those aren't really people we want to be around and sometimes we find ourselves distancing ourselves from those people so Looking at successful people, we fail to see a lot of them suffer from burnout. Uh, The pretty girl suffers from an eating disorder. We can't see that some of our happy, bubbly friends suffer from depression. We're blindsided by social media and we only see their accolades and achievements, but we see none of their struggles. And even when we're happy for them, there's a big part of us or a little part of us that falls into comparison. The more successful someone else is, the more our self-esteem takes a little bit of a nosedive. We compare our blooper reel to their highlight reel, and that is super, super unhealthy. Self-compassion, on the other hand, that's unconditional. Let's drop the comparison habit and develop some self-compassion. Great, that sounds really simple, and it is. It's just harder to do in the moments where we need it most. So first, take inventory of how you take care of yourself. Are you working out? Do you make time for hobbies? What activities do you find the most relaxing and enjoyable during the week? This week, no matter how busy you are, make time. Go ahead, schedule it right now, and do a few of those activities. Work out, take care of yourself, schedule some downtime, splurge on a babysitter, or handle phone calls while on a walk, instead of in the office. Look, a little self-care can lead to self-compassion, especially when those things actually become a priority, and you'll find that self-compassion leads naturally to a higher sense of self-worth, and one that is not contingent upon recent accolades or worse recent failures by rivals or other people to whom you compare yourself
7: the healing begins in the moments when we sense that that's going on that we're living in the trance of unworthiness and we make a kind of u-turn so that instead of blaming ourselves or blaming another or acting out we turn the light and tenderness of attention right to where the wrongness is. Recognize and allow that you're in a trance. Okay, you go, okay, I'm judging, and that the signs are this. You might notice you're judging yourself. So that's the big one. Usually there's that voice of the inner critic going on. Um, But you also might notice that you're justifying yourself. You're rehearsing what you're going to say to somebody else. Or you might know that you're overeating or over-drinking. Or you might notice that you're speeding up and worrying. There may be a lot of different reasons, but you stop and go, okay, in some way I'm not feeling good about myself. Recognize it and just allow it. We just let it be there because you can't begin to deepen presence, make that U-turn if you keep behaving. You need to pause. We investigate with curiosity, with gentleness. We investigate by asking, you know, what's really going on inside me right now? Then nourish with compassion. After we've nourished, we'll discover the sense of who we are is enlarged. Rest as that. Notice what you are and rest in it.
1: Figure out who you are. Don't apologize for who you are. And then become even greater than you naturally are at what you are.
0: holy cannoli what up anchor fam this is d wanted to have a real quick rant session with you Um, today happens to be the day i see patients at the local university and it's an interesting age group it reminds me of how shitty i was at at being a person at this age and i tell people all the time i tell my patients all the time you know if 20 year old me was sitting here next to us i wouldn't want to be friends with him not because he was a bad guy, he just wasn't done. You know he had he had work to do. And that work is what I like to impress upon uh, my patients here in this clinic. And I try to remind folks that, you know, I, for me, particularly, I, I remember being, you know, fifteen years old and and thinking, you know, when I turn eighteen, that's when things are gonna change. You know, I'm gonna stop being a moron, make better decisions. You know, all the things I get in trouble for, all the ambition I don't have, all the drive that I lack. At 18, you know things are going to change. And then 18 came, and I graduated high school, and I looked around and I thought, well, shit, I'm still a moron. All right, well for sure 21, right? When I turn 21, then, I mean, I, there's no way I can continue be, being a moron, right? That's impossible. I'm, I'm certainly gonna graduate to be being a better person Um, 21 came and I thought god damn it I'm still a fucking moron and I remember I was a little longer in college than most and I thought well absolutely I'll be the first college graduate in my family by then I will have actualized into the person I always aspired to be I graduated from college and the panic sat in Shit, I'm still an idiot. Well, for sure, for sure, when I get into med school and they put that white coat on me, the heavens will part. Bestowed upon me from the skies above would be the knowledge of all things important. And then I will be the person that I've always wanted to be. And lo and behold, I graduated from high school. I graduated from college. And wouldn't you know it, I leave med school thinking, shit, what happened? I'm still the same guy. And my my point is, is that this stuff takes work. And I had the problem of looking at people as, as finished products and not appreciating the work that went into it. I looked at a professor and thought, that guy was born a professor. I looked at doctors and thought, she was born a doctor. That is not the case. And it sounds so obvious to me now, but every single day I've learned to be better about appreciating my failures and looking for difficult situations to challenge me and to really break me down and force me to quote unquote lose. Everybody's talking about winning. What about losing? I invite those opportunities. I don't like them, they're uncomfortable, but I'll be good and goddamn if I don't become a better person when I lose. And I just wanted to encourage people, fucking get out there and lose today. Be a loser. What do you think? (laughs) All right. I got to get back to work. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in again. You're listening to us. Your favorite show, right? Medicine Remixed. Only here on Anchor. Peace. Yo. This is your boy D. You're listening to Medicine Remixed. Quick second. Thanks for all the call-ins. Me and my boy Reesh. We've been super busy. I won't bore you with the details, because you're busy too. But We've had a bunch of call-ins, and we wanted to respond to a couple. Um, the first one is gonna be for our, from our homie, Georgie D. She called in with some insights uh, regarding a piece we put up about um, you know, growing pains. And she had a couple to share with us that she's going through with her son. So take a listen.
7: Medicine Remixed. Love what you had to say about 20-year-old you. I am the mother of a 20 year old boy and he is making all sorts of terrible life decisions and you know as his mum I just feel like oh my god he's throwing his life away, he doesn't have a job, he's eating unhealthy food, he's so unmotivated and lazy and his girlfriend is just oh she's just yeah (laughs) anyway. but. I know he's only 20 so I have faith that he's gonna be alright, you know, that he'll sort it out and everything will be fine. So I think as parents it's really important to have faith and yeah, just be realistic man. It's not up to us to make their mistakes for them.
0: Wow. I don't know what it is. I think it's it's just me in my older age, but man, I'm so, I'm such a pussy now. Like I, get, <laughs> I get sentimental about everything. Yo, thank you for that call in. Um, I think you're right. I think you're right. And the, the first thing I thought of while you were sharing that last tidbit about not making mistakes for them. You know, I, I think it's super interesting that some part of us as as human beings i think when we have uh offspring right people who literally are composed of the very dna at least half of it um that we possess that they now carry we feel that within that genetic code every fucking terrible decision we made with our lives should now be something that you don't have to go through Because, God damn it, you're part of me. What the fuck was the point of me doing this stuff and learning from it if you're going to make the same mistakes, right? And we look at them, and I know there was many a times my own mother stared at me and had no words. And I know for a fact she'll never admit it. But in her mind, she thought to herself, well, fucking look at this. I made this. This fucking thing. I did it. I made it. Fucking mine. In disappointment. <laughs> Not pride. In disappointment. But you know, I'm convinced that part of our job as caregivers, as, as, as parents, as, as friends, is we, we hope that the people around us will have to go through half the heartache, half the pain, half the disappointment, half the tear, and half the time it took us to do it. Because what that will afford them is that many more years to enjoy life and not suffer through it. And I think that we have to remind ourselves that you know, in the movies the the, the old wise man, he always has gray hair, right? It's not because fucking gray hair gives you special power. We know that. Because shit, I'd be powerful already. Right? It's The gray hair is symbolic. It's symbolic that this man's past might be your future so shut the fuck up and listen and it's so hard because all the wisdom that came from my mother I think I heard every other word at best it was probably every third word that came out of her mouth because I was so conditioned to it and then of course in hindsight I look back and think god damn it she was right but you just have to remind yourself that as a as a parent when your child goes out into the world you want them to suffer through adversity you want them to fall you want them to get knocked down on their ass but you don't want them to get hurt and that's the hard part but how's that for a rant thank you for calling in i appreciate it love y'all thanks for listening we'll try to get a few more of these in today hope your day's going well again you're listening to medicine remixed only here on anchor
4: beep boop beep I must say, I am quite fond of your station medicine remixed, Darling listeners out there would be wise to tune in. Only here on Anchor. Beep boop beep.